This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I was joined by Sean Newsham, aka PSU Fans 2. He is a top 30 manager on So Rare, co host of the So Rare Data Strategy Show, and he's also just a professional fantasy sports player. We talked about loads of stuff. There was the MLB stuff, women's football, uh, rumors of golf, all sorts of stuff being rumored. There was a bit of drama around the Premier League licenses. Um, then there was the ETH, ETH dipped. Uh, crypto was kind of crashing, which was scary. We talked about it. And then we answered lots of your questions and we played the completely revamped 1.37 p.m. game where I have something on the line every single week. So stick around for that at the end. Enjoy the episode. Please do subscribe and leave a review wherever you are. Five stars, I hope. I'll see you later. Sean, aka PSU fans too. What's happening? Welcome to the podcast. I think it's long overdue, to be quite honest. Yeah, well, we've tried like three or four times, and it just hasn't worked. Which is funny because I'm usually super available for stuff. But I think uh, <laughs> the one time we tried to do it, I was really busy. Another time, I had, uh, I believe, a doctor's appointment. And then the other time, I was on vacation. So just and then the other time, you were washing your hair, I'm sure, and some yeah, other excuse. I had to make you earn it. You know, I had to wait yeah, and yeah. it off a little bit. And then I met you in person. You're like, oh, my God, this guy's so lovable. I have to go on his podcast now. Oh, yeah. There was no doubt about that. I mean, it, it, you, I, <laughs> more so you're just like, oh, man, I really need to get this guy on the podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it quite the, um, you had quite the like hypey sheet, like hype, hype post on Twitter. Top 30 valued gallery, co-host of the So Rare Data Strategy Show, professional DFS player and organizer of the best meetup in So Rare history. That's the most hypey intro anyone's had in months. And Gary V was last week. He wasn't even hyped up that much. Um, yeah, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. So you, you do play DFS slash So Rare full time. Yeah, so I've been playing DFS full-time. Uh, for those unfamiliar, it's Daily Fantasy Sports. Uh, so I've been doing that professionally for about a decade now. I think I started in like 2012, uh, where I focus on sports like soccer, college football, um, and ra- a lot of random smaller sports, uh, stuff like that. But those are some of my priorities. But last year or so, I've spent most of my free time dealing with so rare, dealing with uh different things within the SoRare stratosphere because I just really enjoy the platform. I think it's a really fun way to watch games. Uh, it's a really fun way to go about things. Yeah. No. Uh, and have you, have you took any interest in baseball over the last 10 years? So I actually started playing DFS. I think the first sport that I got into was baseball because I got into DFS, I think in like the spring or summer of like 2010, uh, 2012 and the only thing going at that time was baseball because back then they didn't have a bunch of other things so i started with baseball over the years i've sort of not played as much baseball and lost a bit of interest in the game because i just it's not as exciting as other sports like i can watch a hockey game a soccer game a football game be super invested whereas like baseball watching it on tv is just really boring for me it's just mm. doesn't, it's not engaging i will say i enjoy going to a game and sitting in the uh in the stadium with, you know, get all your, all you can eat hot dogs out, right? Like that, that's great. Like I like going and sitting in a nice weather game, enjoying the sort of atmosphere, but watching on TV just sort of drags if, on for me. If I could go and sit in an empty stadium 
and it was all you can eat hot dogs, I'd be happy. Baseball is a bonus. <laughs> you don't need anything else at that point. You you just give me the food, give me the popcorn, the hot dogs, the nachos. Call it a day. I'm good to go. You've already won. You've already won. Yeah, yeah actually, it's funny because as as an American and someone who's probably experienced this a lot more than me, like I have to say, I went to my first baseball game. I think I went when I was like eight, eight years old when I was in in New York. Like that's like twenty years ago. But I went with HG like last week, um, off the back of the Orlando trip. And I have to say, when I was there and he kind of taught me it, it was great fun because I thought there was a good bit of action. There's a lot of balls thrown. It's good fun every single time. There's always that thrill of, is it going to be a home run? Is he going to fucking clean this? Um, and then even whenever there's like the downtime, there's always guys out in front of you warming up with good seats or throwing balls and people are trying to catch them or they're shooting T-shirts into the crowd or there's food to go and get. There was stuff to do and I kind of enjoyed that. I was here the other night, a little bit of jet lag, couldn't quite get to sleep. And it was baseball was on the TV. It was like one in the morning here. And I was like, this is so boring. There's just so many breaks. Like, yeah. I just want to see the guy throw the ball. I just want to see him throw the ball. And it wasn't happening. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be a slog. And then they've, they've dropped it. So we may as well just get straight into it. They have announced a, a deal with the MLB. Now, I read somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong, but I definitely read someone say, it might have been Nicholas, long-term and exclusive and they're two key things for me. Yeah. Um, what, what, I'll tell you, do you want me to tell you what I think first or do you want to tell me what you think first? No, whichever, way, whichever way you want to go about it. I'll go because I feel like you're more likely to have a more educated opinion on this. So you'll be able to either hype me up or chat me down after I give it. I think like there's these concerns that I see a lot of people having about like they haven't even got football right. Do you know, there's so many issues with the current platform. It's a shit show and here they go with MLB and oh, like you need to sort out football first and they're just distracted by this. I think the bottom line is that in the world of NFTs at the minute and particularly sports, it's like this arms race for licenses. And I think whenever you have the opportunity to grab, like I think it is, as I say, an arms race, everyone's trying to get all the licenses and they need to go and get all the licenses and then work out how to hire people <laughs> and make it work. You know, you can't do it in reverse where you get everything perfect and then you try and get them and they're gone. It's like it's better to be started than better to get started than to be right necessarily. I think anyone who looks at this, all obviously there's those concerns, but I think overall, if you're looking at this in a negative light, you're an idiot, in my opinion, <laughs> because securing a license like this on a long term exclusive deal is fucking huge for the platform, huge for the exposure in the American market. I am probably top two, top three. Um, YouTube channels that are so rare dedicated content in the English speaking world and 5% of my audience is American. 5%. How many Americans speak English? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's a lot of people. So like that shows like how under, how, how little exposure so rare has in the US. So by getting licenses like this, making it more of a household name, I just think it's absolutely huge. I, I really do. I think it's amazing. Um, and obviously there are concerns. I've given all the disclaimers. I've sat in the fence a little bit there, but like all in all, I think it's an amazing move. And I also think if you're sitting there thinking this is a bad thing, you've got an old scarcity mindset on you, not abundancy. There's more than enough money to go around both markets, the football and the baseball. Um, and I think it's exciting. I think sitting thinking, oh no, it's going to affect the football, the soccer market. You know, it's people are going to go and buy their baseball cards. If that's worrying you, you're probably overexposed and you probably don't believe in so rare long term anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, hit me I, with your counterpoints or agree. No, I mean, I kind of agree. I'm actually, most of the time when we get these announcements, I'm just sitting there like, I'm pretty sure like the last announcement, I, I was one of the people that are just like, oh, this is going to be terrible. 
uh, or not really worthwhile. Whereas this one, I think it's a really positive aspect for a lot of reasons. So first reason, like you said, uh, right now we're in like an armed race to who can sign a league or a sport. And then what we're seeing is they're using those sports to be used as a proof of concept for other sports. Sober has the best proof of concept of anything because what they've done with soccer, um, that's why they used the Arriba Visi as like an example to use for these other leagues and make it happen. So when you're bringing on one of the four main American sports and you're sort of paving the way to other aspects as well, it's huge. On top of that, I actually think baseball can be done really well within the sober realm. Um, I think there's a lot of issues with other sports like uh, football and like even hockey and basketball. I think there's some issues with them. I think baseball can work really well within the sober sort of atmosphere, but I think they need to tweak it a little bit. So I think there's a lot of positives to go with. I agree with you. I think anyone that thinks this is a negative is just sort of off base on things. I do understand where people are coming from and the worries people have from a sort of soccer aspect of things. Like I understand why people are worried about that, why people um, are saying like, you can't get that right. Why are you focusing on this? I think what we're gonna see is we're gonna have different teams focus on both things. There's gonna be uh, sort of intermingling between the communities, I think, which I think is good. I think that you obviously want to expose the people that are there for soccer to the people that are there for baseball and vice versa. Um, you don't want to overwhelm them to where they're just annoyed, but you also want to incentivize them to possibly participate in both avenues. Yeah, a hundred percent. I will you, I I'll definitely probably buy a few baseball cards as soon as they come out. I wonder, like, I wonder how much they'll market it before it comes out. I wonder how, like, because whenever so rare football came out, it was different. Because it was such a new technology, such a new thing, and so rare wasn't even a, a, a like. It would have been something that people were like, "Oh, what? The, what's this? Is this a scam? Is this going to die in a month? Is this dodgy?" But now, because they've legitimized the name, they've launched it with a massive partnership. I wonder, like, there won't be the same opportunities that people who got into the football market necessarily had. Like these cards aren't going to go for pittance, but like pennies on the dollar, if you like. But Will there still be that kind of time lapse where we will all still be relatively early to that baseball market? And as the marketing ramps up over time and as more people in the baseball world get into it and more and more join, like basically what I'm asking you is how do you think these prices look straight off the bat? And do you think there's a lot of space for growth or do you think it'll be hyped from the get go? Um, I think it could be hyped from the, so the difference is like you talked about with Sower, when Sower came on, like I wasn't on the platform when Sober came on. Were you Were you there like day one with Sober? No, I was there uh, September 2020. Okay. So like when we're talking about like day one of Sober, like there was like 20 people. So mm. anybody that showed up, like they were so early. I know I was talking to our friend Jimmer. He bought like a Morioka Rare for like $2. Yeah. Like that's just how much it cost. It cost like $2, whatever that was in ETH at the time. It was just very minimal. I think we're going to likely be early in regards to the baseball product that comes out. However, the prices are not going to be what they were for the soccer product when the soccer product launched. Like you're going to be looking at prices that are going to be a bit higher. They're going to have uh, stuff that is going to cost you a bit more to get in, but that's because the built-in user base is already significantly higher than what it was when Sober came on board. Like for example, if they launched tomorrow, which we don't know when the launch is going to be and they're going to actually sell cards, but like you and I will 
both realistically probably be at least interested and probably buy some cards. That's already like 10% of what the user base was when Sober started. And that's just the two of us. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Do you know who you'll buy? I mean, I think baseball's nicer than even like soccer. Like you're going to have guys like Mike Trout who are obviously elite level players that are great, but there's going to be different strategies. I think that will go into it. You're going to look into different types of stacking, but I think one thing that will be really interesting is if they run it on like a daily aspect, you're going to be super incentivized to have loads and loads of players so that you can sort of pick matchups based on how it is. Because a lot of how DFS baseball goes is it pertains to um, the pitcher that you're facing. Because obviously if you're facing Clayton Kershaw, you're going to have a more difficult time hitting no matter if you're Mike Trout or a replacement level player. Whereas if you're facing the fifth pitcher in the rotation, who's just not very good and that team is facing him, it's a major uh, mm. increasement in your expected value for that day. So I think if they go from a day-to-day aspect, you're really going to be incentivized to have a lot of players that can run different matchups. That's so interesting because that means that necessarily it doesn't matter about the team you play, it's more the pitcher playing that day. Because what I noticed in baseball is they play like three, four games over three or four days against the same team. Yep. Like, do you, the know, off the top your, do you know off the top of your head kind of roughly how the season works? 162 games you play 162 yep. games in a season 162 games you play there's four teams per division you play i think each team in your division like i'm, I'm not sure the exact numbers on it. i think it's like you play each team in your division like 12 times you play each team <laughs> in your league crazy. like six times and then you play each team in the other league like three times or something i'm not sure the exact numbers yeah, on yeah, it, yeah. But, it, it adds up to like 162 games, 81 at home, 81 away. Uh, but yeah, like you said, like, so soccer, right? Like if you have Ajax players playing against Feyenoord or you have them playing against Bayern Munich, like they're much different and the team matters. Realistically in baseball, the only thing that matters is who the pitcher you're up against is because that's realistically the only person that impacts what mm. you do on that day. And it's the same thing. Like you have left-handed pitchers versus right-handed pitchers. You have certain batters will produce a lot better versus uh, a left-handed pitcher than a right-handed pitcher. So you're going to have situations where you just have a lot of different rotations and ideas. There used to be, so when I used to follow and I don't follow it as closely anymore, but like there was hitters that would hit literally like 500 against left-handed pitchers and then a right-handed pitcher pitched against them. They hit like 120. So like anytime any left-handed pitcher would go against them, you want to play that guy because he's likely going to match. And then anytime a right-handed pitcher against, the him you just completely ignore him it's crazy like there's so much to learn and i think the other side of this is well there's two things i want to bring up i'll bring this one up first about the whole baseball partnership i mean what people like us not necessarily you i suppose you're a dfs person you probably take to it like a doctor water but like for me maybe and other people like me you know our edge is probably football or or soccer you know actually just playing the game that we know better and that we can watch better and that we can follow better you know Everyone doesn't have to go balls to the wall on baseball. Everyone's going to want to buy a few cards and have a bit of fun and get involved. No one, it'll be the massive FOMO. No one's going to want to not be involved. But at the same time, it's one of those where I, I look at it and I'm thinking, of course I'm going to get a team. But then equally, I'm like, it could be the same as like Asian football is to me. I keep trying to care and I really struggle to care. But same with the MLS. I keep trying to care and I'm really struggling to care. And like, I think with baseball, it could be that where I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. Brilliant. Get my show a and do this and do that. And, ooh, this is so much fun. And then it's like, 
I could see it's either going to go that way and I'm going to become like a mad baseball fan or I'm going to be like, actually, I can't be arsed keeping up to date with who's playing who and what's what and fuck this. Um, but everyone doesn't have to play it. It's just, if you want to play it, you can. <laughs> it's, well, it's one of those things. So the, the my DFS journey is effectively like I go where the money is made, but not in the general sense of things. Like the biggest sports in DFS are... NFL, MLB, NBA, I don't even play them really uh, because there's so much stuff that comes out where people are maybe not as knowledgeable at and I can win more and have a better ROI there than elsewhere. Like a good example, so COVID hit and me and a group of people all started playing League of Legends DFS. So I had never watched a single game of League of Legends in my entire life and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and it's the only thing going on. And we were waking up at like 3 a.m. putting down like thousands of dollars on League of Legends DFS. And it was crazy. So realistically speaking, if baseball uh, so rare is really uh, sort of profitable and popular, I totally can see myself going that way. However, if it's not, Mm -hmm. I can totally see myself not really bothering with it as well. So it's a really interesting situation because I do think there's a lot of chances that people are going to be interested. Like people that are on sober for soccer are going to look at sober for baseball. Like even the people that are like, I hate baseball. I have no interest in it. They're going to at worst look at it and see if it's something that maybe is of interest to them. And you could run one team and, and sort of see how it goes. The, the thing for me is you're capped with what your resources are, right? Mm. So let's say you are looking at baseball and you have to spend five ETH for a team. Do you want to spend five ETH on your baseball team or do you want to spend five ETH to further improve your soccer team that you're actually interested in? So that's where my concern is going to be Mm. is is resource deployment and like where you're going to go with resources. Like how are you going to disperse stuff? Yeah. And equally, we're talking about people going to baseball. This baseball is going to bring a whole new wave of people to the market. And something I'd be interested to see is the collectible factor. So it's it's everyone talks about it and but it is true you know america canada it's kind of where the the hub of card collecting and sports collectibles has been over the last decades it's only really this kind of soccer card thing is starting to get europeans a little interested but bottom line is i don't know what the percentage is but it feels like 90 percent of the collectors are from america and for that reason you know a lot of the american sports cards are way more expensive than any of the soccer or european sports like the most expensive cards in history i think the top 10 none of them are soccer and the top two are honus wagner and mickey mantle cards from the 50s or 60s or whenever the fuck it was but like what this makes me think is baseball cards are obviously known for being really collectible they were kind of i think the ogs of that kind of sports card collectible thing um and that's why they're some of the biggest sales in history now you could also get this wave of as maybe top shot seen with collectibles in american sports maybe people will come in with a collector's hat on as much as they've come in with a fantasy hat on um whereas what we've seen in the soccer market so rare football i keep saying soccer because you're american and because we're talking about american sports but it's football um you know, it is very utility driven. When a Joshua Kimmich unique goes for more than a Messi unique, it kind of said it all for me. Um, it's definitely utility driven. I think we all know that now. But there is a little bit of collectibles and people kind of like the jersey mints and the one-offs and the rookies and stuff, but no one really gives a shit. But I think these baseball crowd are going to come in and actually really give a shit. I think that happens. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, do you think collectibles will matter more as much? Less? Um, 
it's possible. My concern is that typically the baseball crowd, the, the baseball fans, the people who like baseball are typically older men. That is generally who likes baseball. So my concern like Laird. is Laird and people like that. Yeah, exactly. Older men, right? Like Laird. Yeah. And it's a, it's a concern to me that is the sort of fan base that you need, the, the baseball fans, are they going to be interested in this cryptocurrency game? I definitely think a lot are, obviously, but I definitely think that it is a more older person game that maybe isn't as appealing to uh, a lot more youthful people like ourselves um, that maybe are out here looking to it, uh, looking at it from a different sort of uh, eyeglass. Mm. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Um, I, I just wonder, like, I wonder, like, why... Maybe I don't wonder why. I've never really thought about this, but I'm thinking about it now. Like, why was Top Shot so crazy purely from a collectible standpoint? I don't think it was. So I think Top Shots was a, hey, show up and make 20x on your money from this drop. And that's what Top yeah. Shots was. I, I, I was not a big Top Shots fan. I Did it end in tears? Did it all end in tears? I, I honestly don't even keep up with it. I think some people yeah. are still partaking, whether or not how big it is, I don't know. But like to me, it was big. I showed up for the drops. Did you show up for drops? I didn't even dabble. Literally the drops, I was... I looked at every drop and it was like, if you show up with your $500, your minimum return is going to be 5,000. Or if you show up with $20, your minimum return is going to be like $300. I'll tell you who's going to show up in those situations. Literally everyone. If you're like, here is free money, people are typically going to show up. When that free money dried up, nobody showed up anymore. So I I think that Top Shots just was a free money sort of situation and then once yeah. that dried up people didn't care as much whereas like so is different like that's there's utility in the cards so you actually have interest in what's going on yeah well look it'll be interesting to see obviously there'll be a lot more news on it it's coming this summer apparently i'm interested to see the people it brings to the platform it'll be interesting from the podcast perspective because what i like this podcast to be personally um and you maybe notice this like in your strategy show maybe you go more into actual in-depth strategy um i don't know maybe the and i don't don't know and what other podcasts are there all these guys maybe talk more about football i think this podcast is generally a bit of a general talk about what's happening in the so rare ecosystem maybe talking a little bit about our galleries maybe talking a little bit about what happened here but it's not like we're talking already we haven't even talked about the crazy i know it was a while ago now but i haven't recorded a podcast other than with gary v since but Real Madrid, Man City, what a crazy game. We're not talking about football. We're talking about so rare in the ecosystem. So it's going to be interesting from this podcast perspective how we start to bring in baseball and what's happening on that side of the game because I kind of want this place, this podcast, to be a general overview of all of so rare, whatever that entails. Um, So if anyone is a diehard baseball lover, so rare NFT fanatic who can talk, reach out to me because – I won't necessarily need a co-host, but I'll definitely need someone who can regularly pop in and give me their thoughts. Um, speaking of other sports or other things, I don't even know if it, it's on it's on another sport, but it seems that way from the timeline. Women's football, come at me. They put out a survey. Not everyone got the survey because I know I didn't get it, but I've seen screenshots of it, and it looks like they've got some sort of women's football licenses, and they're wondering how to incorporate it within the so rare ecosystem how they bring it in is it are they these players usable in so5 the soccer fantasy 
or is it this fantasy as we know it male fantasy and there should be a separate female one it seems like they're trying to weigh this up what's your take so i think to start with the i also didn't get the survey um so i didn't get it i actually popped in the general discord i i pop in there like once every four months because something pops up that i feel i need to express my thoughts on uh, and then i just don't go back in there again for for the next four months but i think the survey was flawed to begin with and they lied in the survey uh, whether yeah. it was intentional or unintentional but they they came out with the the survey this is effectively what the survey said uh, we've looked and done research on many leagues and we have seen that high-end players score the, uh, the same from men's and women's soccer however it was then sort of talked about later that they looked at the NWSL, which I believe is the American version of like the MLS. Um, and, and that league is is even, right? Like that league is pretty evened out because of there's a salary cap on it. Nobody is as big of a favorite. But the problem is, is they said they'd use multiple leagues. And they're also, let's be honest, right? They talk about bringing on the NWSL. If they bring on the NWSL, they're going to want to bring in the French league, the women's premier league and all the european leagues well things aren't the same in the european premier league so barcelona if you're not familiar they are 29 0 and 0 on the season with a goal differential of like 160 goals they've conceded 10 on the season scored like 150 to 170 i forget what the number is and like a couple they have six girls on their team that average over a decisive a game like the one girl averages two and a half decisives per game. So you're talking about people that are having L40s that are like 90, 95 points that just like their floor is like 75 or 80. Mm. Well, you can't compete against that. It doesn't matter what you're like. I'm going to have Robert Lewandowski. Well, it doesn't matter because it can't compete with these other cards. So yeah, the issue is to me is that they said that their scoring is the same, but like I could see there's either two options, right? Option one, they only looked at the NWSL, which is one league, and that league is even. That league does not have any ridiculous variances that uh, come out with a major outlier that would sort of break the game. Once they go to these other leagues, it does break the game. So my perspective, and this might be sort of my own, is that if it weren't to break the game, I'm all for including them. Because what's the difference between adding a women's soccer league and let's say the, the Japanese league or the MLS or the Russian league? Like it's it, they're all soccer leagues, right? So I'm all for including everything. However, I'm pretty certain that things will be broken if they include women's soccer in the same aspect as men's. But to me, this mm. is super simple, right? And this is where it gets confusing and why they, in general, like sober, in my opinion, looked bad with the survey they sent out because I believe that it was a flawed survey where they led leading questions based on false information, which is an issue. But in my opinion, that none of this even need to happen, right? You bring on the women's soccer, you keep it separated at first, you run weekly specials where um, you integrate the men and women's game each week, and then mm -hmm. you sit there and over the course of six months to a year, you see how the women's game compares to the men's game and if it will break the the sort of so5 currently that is set up and if it does mm. you keep things separated and if it doesn't great then you run it but if you have a situation in, in any situation where people come in and you have like l40s of 93 
Well, we see what the legend does. It would be no different than running like legend Cruyff. How broke would the all-star rare pro division be if everyone was running Cruyff out there, right? Like it's, you can't compete against that even with Lewandowski yeah. or Messi or Neymar. Yeah, and it's, it becomes a, you have to have that player. You simply have to. And then the price will just be stupid and every other price doesn't matter anymore because you just need that player. Like, you're right, I, I didn't realize it, but I looked up Barcelona or the, the Spanish Premier Division for women and Barcelona, 29 wins, zero draws, zero losses, 157 goals in 29 games with 10 conceded. They have 87 points. Um which is obscene and it is one of those like don't get me wrong we 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 there are many players we have that are overpowered guys who go off to Asia who just seem insane guys who play in the MLS who used to be like imagine what Lorenzo Insigne will be but like I don't know that's all part and parcel of the game at the minute I think the thing is people this is such a weird one because people automatically go to sexism do you know what I mean so it's automatically taboo on a touchy subject the bottom line is it's completely different leagues and have ever been considered before played at a different level. And it's going to change the game massively. And I think based on the feedback I've seen and based on the reactions I've seen, I don't think there's any way they come in and incorporate them as one because people will be fucking livid for the reason of 157 goals to 10. Um, and it's nothing about it being a women's game. It's nothing about it. And it's nothing to do with that. But then, I'm trying to sit. I'm trying to like play devil's advocate to myself here. What if they came out and said we're going to add the Bolivian league? And what if there's a league over? Like, I don't even know what the Bolivian league looks like. I just picked it out of my arse. The Romanian league, the Slovenian league. I don't care. Irish football. If it's a main men's game, and all of a sudden there was an equivalent team, would that be as much of an issue? I, I think so. I think you'd have the same issue. If anything fully breaks the game, I think we would have an issue. Hmm. Yeah. Because I think you're right. Like you said, there are meta players right now that like average 70, 75 points a game, but they fail. They fail sometimes and they also don't just rip hundreds. If you had people that literally hit 100 eight out of 10 weeks and when they have a bad week, they put up 80, you, you just realistically can't compete without owning that card. Hmm. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's a touchy one. I think, like, as you say, it's one of those where it makes sense to kind of add it in as its own entity, as its own game. I think the problem might be if they only have a couple of teams licenses to start, if they don't have a full league's worth or a couple of leagues worth to launch, they'll come out and maybe they'll want to incorporate it because they want variation in the teams. Do you know what I mean? If It's like if you come out with 50 legends and only 20 of them have cards and you're running legends tournaments, you need more legends before you can, you can really run tournaments that are varied. Um, anyway, It'd be interesting to see what they do. And it's funny because Mel, um, the only female I know in so rare, if there's any more, hit me up. But MDJ, where do you stand on the introduction of women's football to the platform? Was her question. Um, so I, I asked to talk to Mel, and I think, I think our opinions were both very similar, um, except for her opinion was basically um, if things would break, keep them separated. But she also trusts the team not to implement it if that would be the case. I'm a little bit more concerned from that perspective that they would maybe oversee it or that we've seen like sort of a lack of game intelligence, I would say from the team. Mm. And they could say that two players, like let's say there's a player that averages 90 and then another averages 20. 
and then two players average 55 or two players score 55 each. Both of the averages are the exact same. However, the only thing that realistically matters and so are is the outliers because if people are consistently putting up 90 point games and that's just what their score lines are, you just can't realistically compete in the current matrix with that because they are so much better than everyone else that you literally cannot win unless you have that card. We're currently, we're in a situation where you can win with a whole pile of cards. Yes, obviously you win more frequently with the better cards, but if you have cards like this that are far, far, far above those cards, then you come into uh, the tricky situation. But yeah, I think Mel had the same opinion as I did that if it doesn't break the game, include them because why not? Like you get, um, mm. you sort of, there's no reason to separate things if they're similar scored, right? Yeah. I'm looking at like Messi when he was at Barcelona was borderline break game, wasn't he? No. Yeah, he was, so, all right, let's say Messi was a broken game player at, at Barcelona. Some of these girls are going to be 10 or 15 points better than that. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting one, but I think, as you say, like, it's one of those where it's easier, like, if they incorporate them together and the women's prices go through the roof, you can't really take it back. It's better to kind of, like, implement it as its own thing, have some special weekly, see what's going on, and then maybe over time transition them together if it looks like it'll work. Maybe. But, like, I think until all the data's out there, all the data's been realized and they've really looked into it, I think they could almost hurt themselves where if they have the the American is it the women's soccer league women's soccer league is that what you said uh, NWSL. WSL. NWSL so if they have the NWSL's data and they're the first team they're or the first um league they're going to throw up and it all looks good and there's no mad outliers there and they're like oh cool they can get to the stage where like they want to release the Spanish version but it's like holy shit what have we done now we have to take all the ladies out of men's because of this and then you know there's no coming back from it it's kind of like a Trojan horse right yeah. So it's like kind of like what they're setting up. They're setting up like a Trojan horse. And that's like my main concern and my main issue with the whole thing was I, I said, I, I felt that the survey was misleading and wasn't giving the accurate depiction of what things are. And it was just setting up a thing for people to give answers based on not truthful information. Mm. And it was setting up a Trojan horse situation where you're going to do this and then a year down the road, you include the Spanish league. And then what do you do? Because it would just shatter the game. And then you pull stuff out like that looks a whole lot worse than putting stuff in at a different date. So I'm with you. I think that you bring stuff on if you want to bring it on and then you sort of see how it goes over the course of six months to a year, how it plays out and then integrate it. If you determine at that point that it makes sense to do so, but you should definitely not rush yourself into doing so. Yeah. I think like I could see them so easily just doing the kind of like, oh, I could see the, the PR that comes from it, you know, the the sort of forward thinking equality, like, oh, men and women's soccer on an equal footing and so rare fantasy and da 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 da. And I'm always doing it more for that than and, and breaking the game happily. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I could see it happening because, like, don't get me wrong, equality in sports is absolutely huge and it's everything, but there's definitely, there are differences between the games. Um, rightly or wrongly there are and like I just think they need to be very careful Um, look bottom line is more will come out over time I'm kind of talking from like a relatively uneducated standpoint on it I can't say I know the women's game but like I just think they've more to lose than gain by throwing it in based on what I've heard so far if anyone completely disagrees with anything we've said please reach out because I'd love to hear your your take on it Um, 
Right. Sean, is there anything else on that or MLB? No, I think that both of them are interesting at least. And right. And both of them are expanding upon what Sorer is, which I think is cool. Mm. So I'm excited to, to see where we go with some of the stuff. Um, more so, I think MLB is very exciting. I think that's a huge new stream that hasn't been tapped into yet. We also seen golf rumored. I seen some article, God knows how reputable the source was, but golf is supposedly in the works. So theoretically, by the end of 2022, even by the end of the summer, we could have MLB being played. There could be some sort of women's football. I don't actually know, maybe for next season. Golf could be on the way. PGA Tour, I heard. We could have the Premiership. Imagine. If all those things were to happen, what does that do? Albeit, whatever, per Dan will be working 200-hour weeks. <laughs> Not even physically possible, but he'd be doing it. Um, like, the scope of growth for So Rare over the next year or two, it's kind of, it's it's exciting. I think it's very exciting the amount that they can do. And, like, you know, it's all been pie in the sky stuff to now, but it seems like they're starting to actually get some of these licenses and make some of these things happen. Obviously, there's going to be issues. Obviously, things are going to be executed probably quite poorly, as they have been in the past. <laughs> but from a, like a growth standpoint, which seems to be their main concern, from an onboarding standpoint, it seems pretty exciting. Yeah, there's tons of avenues coming up, right? We have, we're talking about, I mean, before this, we were talking about bringing on the Dutch League into the Russian League into the Peruvian League, all these different leagues that they're bringing on. Well, they're sort of all within the same atmosphere and sort of the same soccer idea, whereas like Premier League, you bring that on, that's a huge step above mm. what we're talking about with some of these other leagues. Like that's like bigger than La Liga, which was massive. Then you're talking about you have golf, totally different avenue. You have um, baseball, totally different avenue. So like the growth that they can get is sort of breaking off. Like you look at it like a tree, right? It's going into a bunch of different branches now where like it can make the whole tree stronger because of where it's going. A hundred percent. So look, it'll be, it'll be very excited to see, to see what happens. I think golf would be a fun one. I don't know how they would do it. I, I imagine they go into really in-depth stats and stuff about like greens and regulation and fairways hit and yards driven and this is and that's and all sorts of stuff, not just winners top fives and things or maybe it would be a game where you're not just picking one golfer you have to pick three per per like um per round or per tournament i don't know how they would do it but like golf is something i i i, I kind of like i don't watch enough of it i used to play a lot of it and then i stopped a few years ago um but like i, I think golf something i could get into you know it's kind I of all year round as well it's so golf is the one sport that I cannot get into. I find it. I don't like playing it. I just, I've, I've, been, I've played it in the, in my past and basically it was just an excuse to go ride around a golf cart for four hours. <laughs> um, but I've never been a big golfer. Watching on TV is dreadful to me. I, I don't understand how people sit there for like 12 hours on a Saturday and watch the masters. I just sit there and I'm like, I, I'm typically like uh, if I ever watch anything, it's like Sunday of the Masters. It's it's not really the whole tournament. Yeah, you drop like whole fifteen right on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. That's generally exciting. But yeah, I just I don't know. Golf's not my thing. I think again though. So we're talking about things that I think can be done well within the sober atmosphere and how they can 
sort of do it from a fantasy perspective. I think golf can be done well as well. I think golf makes a lot of sense because it's generally speaking year round. You have tournaments every week. However, you have different people in each tournament. So it's forcing people to have different sets of golfers because Mm. certain players won't play the week before major because they're preparing for, for it. And then they're, you have these Joe Schmoes who are out there that really need that, that tournament and they play their hearts out and they put up a, a really good score. So the, the only concern I have for golf is you're limited on players. There's only so many golfers that are going to golf on a given weekend. So like, I, I think actually compete. Yeah. Like you're looking, I think most weekends it's somewhere around like 120. So like you have 120 golfers or so on the weekends. It, it's just, it's, there's not many people we're talking, we're talking 120 golfers right on a weekend. I have that on six. I will realistically on like 11 teams. And so where I have that. Right. So in the soccer atmosphere, well, we have, we have hundreds of teams at this point. So it worries me a little bit about how compact things would be. Maybe like it would be almost like a specialist league where you have to pick like a top seed, a second guy, a third guy, kind of like you might have your John Ram, but then you also have some other guy and some other guy who I can't even name because I don't know them um from further down rankings or the world leaderboards or whatever it is and you kind of have to pick guys from within certain parameters to compete i don't know there's many ways you can do it. it'll it be interesting to see if it even happens it was a kind of i don't even know where i've seen it um another quick one for you this is kind of exciting for me um apologies to people listening on podcast but people on video you'll be able to see this who does that look like to you mr newsham now oh, you got your boy danny parejo card <laughs> I have a signed one over on the shelf behind me, but this is my boy, Danny Parejo. Kike reached out to me on Instagram. I won't give away second names or anything, but I'm getting very excited. He reached out to me and said he's friends with Danny. So apparently he's meeting Danny later this week. He's bought me the Valencia shirt that Danny wore in the card I have, and he's going to get him to sign it and hopefully record a little video. So oh. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I tell you this, it's made me very, very excited. It's made me very, very excited. I pray it happens. Um, I'm looking know, forward as, to the Nellis Parejo crossbar challenge. Man, I swear to God, I hope it happens. I don't know why it's happened, but it, there's definitely like a, a little kind of man crush there. It just comes from... I don't know. It was almost serendipitous when I won Game Week 200 and got the limited edition card that no one else has and then followed it up with a ticket card and then followed it up with the player of the year. And now I can safely say that I am the largest Danny Parejo collector, NFT collector on the planet, um, which is very exciting for me. So look, let, let's hope it comes through. That's one for listeners to stay posted for. Keep an eye out on socials. Um, it'll be very exciting. And if you're listening, Kike, no pressure. Um, now, Sean, we've got loads of questions. And then we have a rejigged 137 game we can surprise everyone with, just to keep everyone on the edge of their seats right to the end of the show every week. Um, question: Was there anything else we need to talk about before questions, or we just apply into them? Well, I mean, I think a question for you is, so why did you not buy a Danny Parejo Super Rare instead of a Rodrigo Super Rare the other day? Is it on the market? No, I mean, I'm sure you could get one for around the price you played, paid for, for Rodrigo, though. I think it was Il Phenomeno, maybe. Is that a person... Yeah, he has he has the 10 of 10, uh, which I kind of like because the 10 of 10 and he's number 10. And I kind of wanted that. Um, And I made a few offers, which I thought were fair, you know, kind of in around that 4X rare mark. 
and he was I forget it this was I've I've hit him a few times over the last few months anytime he lists it I know he wants out um I might hit him with a wee offer now maybe he's panicking a bit there you go I mean it's um, a good time it's never a bad time to offer right I mean, what would be a fair offer? Will I ping one live? He'd say no live too. I'd say, Parejo, let's it's go and check out. Rare rare price, 0.45-ish? Uh, 0.5-ish, probably on the rare, I would say. So what do you think is a fair offer for a super? Two, two ETH is probably really, it's like an above fair offer that should hopefully get accepted. Well, I've got 1.973 on my balance. Well, 1. I hit him with a 1.73. Well, I hit him with a 1.75 and see what he says. No, no, you just go, you go the whole balance. Really, really what you do now is you send him the whole balance and then you send him a, a DM on Discord and show him that that's your whole balance and that you're out. And then, B, I need this card. I don't even need it, though. That's the problem. I want it. It's, it's a good card, though. It's like a legit good card. It's a great card, but I don't know how to utilize it. Maybe it doesn't matter when it comes to my guy, but like I could buy many cards that I can utilize way more. Do you know what I mean? I, I do. I mean- do you know what I saw? And the price kind of shocked me. I think I messaged you about this. Two people shocked me. Tony Cruz, 1.4, 1.3, something like that. He was like nearly a four ETH card not too long ago. Uh, and I know the market's dipped, but ETH is cheaper. It's still Tony Cruz. He's still contracted at Madrid. He's not like 34. I think he's like 32 or something, is he? Yeah, he's, he's still in an age where you'd expect to get a couple years out. Yeah, and the, way, the position he plays, you'd expect a few years, right? So that surprised me first and foremost. Like, yeah. Tony Cruz's price surprised me. Like, let me see. What, what's a Vonnegan sitting at? Uh, Vonnegan list was 1.5. I don't think any have yeah. sold. Actually, I think one sold at 1.2. One sold at 1.37 okay. um, two days ago. So, like, you're talking in around the same mark. I mean, champion versus challenger. I don't know. International Cruz for Germany. I, I don't know. That that kind Cruz of considering. Cruz's international yeah. career is over. Was he out? Yeah, he said he's not playing anymore internationally. Oh shit! Well, I missed that. That's actually a good thing for him, in my opinion, because it gets means when he's off on international break or when they're off on international break, Tony Cruz is able to relax and recover, which I think is a positive for sober. Because international breaks, the rewards are so poor, anyways, that you don't realistically care about them. And then I have another question: What have I missed on Morioka? No, he just hasn't been good. He he got injury where he missed a few weeks, and then he just hasn't been good since he's been back, and he hasn't been consistently playing. Okay, but is it fair to say, well, like you, you you, probably know better than me, is he going to be at Charleroi next season? He apparently wanted a transfer, but I have not seen any details on that. And part of the reason why I like Morioka, apparently, though, he wants to stay in Europe is what I heard. Okay. Um, but the, the reason I like Morioka and the reason is why I like some of the Asian guys in the Jupiler League or others is because when they eventually go back to Japan, which most of them typically will go back there to play at the tail end of their career, they're usually still really good when they go back to Japan. So like, I like having cards like that that can produce now, and then even when they get older and tail off, they just go back to their home league and do really well. I hear you. The reason I ask is because I saw that his rare, no, it was super rare, was up for 3 eighth. And I was like, a super rare Morioka for three ETH. Let's say you get that guy down to two and a half, 2.25, maybe a bit ambitious. But still, you get my point. I was like, two, two and a half ETH-ish, let's say, for the Morioka super rare. Like, his rare probably wasn't far off that. No, his rare was in the 1.5 range earlier in the year. Um, it was it definitely at a... at 
picked yeah. up one point eight. And he was slapping. He was the best midfielder on the platform by far. And like I get the personal circumstances, I get the potential for transfers, blah blah blah. But a little injury and not really coming back from it at the end of the season yet. Like if this guy rests for a summer and comes back, that's super rare could be one of those powerful cards in the platform. But I don't know the it just I looked at it and I had a balance and I was like, should I be going for this? It made me think, is what I'll, I suppose I'll say, but I don't know. I, I didn't go for it, but I, I just think some of those, like, the prices now, if you genuinely believe in the platform long-term, I think a lot of people are panicked. The ETH drop, let's talk about that, actually. ETH, shot itself. Talk to me. From a so rare perspective, what are you thinking? So typically what happens is when ETH just plummets, the market picks up. And I've seen that. The market has picked up over the last two three days than what it was before the ETH crash. Like I've been able to sell some trash for like yeah. one point. I think I generated like 1.3 ETH over the last uh, day or two. And I really did not sell a card that was worthwhile to me um, at all. So we've seen that. And so what I've noticed is actually, if you look at a lot of more marquee level, younger players, the there's a big, big, big gap between the, uh, last sale and then what the floor is right now. Like, so for example, if you look at Ryan Gravenberch, his last rare sale was at 0.85, which was like two, three days ago. Mm-hmm. His floor is 1.65 now and no one is undercutting it, which means that his realistic value is somewhere between 0.85 and 1.65, but nobody's paying that new price. So it's, somewhere in there but all it takes is one as soon as someone pays like 1.3 for that card all of a sudden that's his new floor and like that's where mm-hmm. people are gonna do a market so i've definitely seen with um some more marquee level young players like i noticed it with Gravenberg, noticed it with jesper carlson earlier today as well like his floor was 1.5 earlier in the day and his last sale was like 0.98 so they're, they're, what we think someone offered me 1.25 for the super which is like six and a bit time, but I was like a half to. Um, and I also, I have under 23 super rare defenders. Like I, I didn't need them. Um, and I thought the money could go to use. But anyway, what I'm getting at here is there's guys and it's fair, you know, like you're going at people and you're saying, I'll give you three and a half extra super and last sale. And they're like, okay, well, last sale happened whenever ETH was 40% more valuable. So you need to pay me more. Do you know what kind of coming at you with this angle? It, it's making negotiations a little bit harder. It has to be said, but that said, some people panic and shit themselves, but I think yeah, the time was, I mean, you yeah. know me. So I generally, the way I work on sower, I only care about it in an ETH perspective. That's all I care about it in because I, it's easier for me if I, let me rephrase that. I only care about it in an ETH perspective unless it benefits me to care about it from another perspective. But I also am cognizant of the fact that like, I'm only going to do that if it benefits me. Otherwise, it's an ETH perspective. Um, but people will act like you should bend the knee sort of and like agree with whatever their valuation is. It's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm doing it based on ETH value. Like the card was 0.3 ETH. I'll give you 0.3 ETH for it if I want it. If I want to sell it, I'm going to sell it at 0.3 ETH, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously, if the entire market sort of trends upwards or downwards based on the way that it's trending, that impacts things right and then i'll adjust my my strategy that way but yeah i always just i go with it based on eth perspective i'm not going to look at it and be like the last sale was at one eth i'm going to pay you one eth that's what i want they're like well 
ETH went down 35%. I want 1.35 ETH. Well, okay, I'm not going to yeah. pay that. So realistically, realistically, the way the market works, right, is it doesn't fully keep up with ETH if it goes high. So like if ETH went to 5K right now, it wouldn't fully keep up with that. Similarly, it doesn't fully keep up with it if it crashes. Like it doesn't fully drop the same way as yeah. well, somewhere like in the middle. Yeah. Well, look, it's been interesting anyway. A lot of different people, a lot of different thoughts on it. Um, I suppose thoughts about anyone who held a lot of crypto and they're shitting themselves. You'll be all right, hopefully. Um, the next thing is questions. We have questions to talk about. Let's go and talk about some of them, I think. Um, I keep getting sidetracked, but there's been so much because obviously like it was two weeks ago since I talked to Plastician, the whole trip to America happened in the between. And I haven't really like done this type of conversation since because the Gary V thing, which I've mentioned a couple of times, if anyone listening didn't catch it, you can find it on my YouTube or you can find it the episode before this on this, this feed. Um, it was good fun. A bit surreal. Did you listen to it? I listened to parts of it. Um, I listened in and out of it. It's because like Gary V is a bit of a, a Marmite character, I think, in so rare, in NFTs, in everything. Um, I, I really enjoyed talking to him. I thought it was fun. But did you? I think the thing is, like a lot of people, I found it kind of funny and surreal because, like, the Gary V boom was very real. It yeah. it did it did it did have a big impact when he tweeted initially, and albeit it came around the same time as the fifty million investment. So like, how much of it was Gary V? How much of it was the fifty million? Um, but the boom de- definitely started that night when he tweeted. Um, but it was kind of surreal being over there and talking to him. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I need to try and follow up with some other big guests. I mean, I followed up with you. I think that's pretty big. You did. I mean, that's, I, I had, uh, I told someone I was going to be on the show. Won't, won't name names, but they're like, oh, that's good. They got Gary Vee to curtain jerk for you this week. I was like, totally. <laughs> the main event, the main event was today. No, seriously. <laughs> so, right. Question time. Let's go over. We've answered Mel's, which had the most like. Second most like question. Actually, the most liked is from Orange Fly. Can you, can you review my gallery with Laird and tell me to buy Carlos Gilrare? I can always tell people to buy a Carlos Gil Rare. I, I mean, I think you heard it on the trip. I, I think I told everyone to buy Carlos Gil Rare on, on our trip to Orlando as well. So it's, yeah. it's a pretty easy strategy for me to, to run through. But yeah, we're the reviewing of the galleries. We have, we have like 60 or 70 people that are on the list uh, for us to review a gallery. I heard that we had another entrant in the last uh, couple of days, Nalissa, that was looking for theirs possibly reviewed as well. So we have a we have yeah, a lot yeah. of people in there that we we we're trying to get different versions and different ideas of galleries to look at. You see, I I could actually really do I, I message there because I could really do with someone like you actually telling me what I should actually do because I am a true degenerate of the game and I play it for fun in many respects and I do not use my ETH efficiently and I do not have an efficient gallery. I haven't won a star reward in over a year and my gallery is worth was worth two hundred grand or something. That's a fucking disgrace. And as much as I think it's fun owning the guys who you want to own, it's more fun winning star rares. Yep. Do, winning, do you know? is, winning is always more fun than losing, right? Like you just have yeah. more fun. We actually, it was funny. So for those that aren't aware, so Nellis bought a Rodrigo. Super oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Here we go. Here like it comes. 2.25 <laughs> ETH uh, like two days ago. So me and Laird, we're just talking about, uh, we're just talking over here. We were just having a talk about whatever we were talking about. 
And he's like, oh, hey, by the way, Nelson was interested in maybe us doing a gallery review with him. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. Sounds good. And then Laird told me, he's like, Nelson really wants to, like, revamp a bit of his gallery to really try to win. And then, like, I'm just sitting there, and I moved on to looking at whatever auction was going on at the time. Laird comes back, like, five minutes later. He's just like, LOL, LOL, guess what? I'm like, what? He's like, go check out Rodrigo Super. <laughs> and he's like, Nellis has paid, Nellis has bid 2.25 on a card he can't even use. Uh, so was, yeah. so we're just, Laird and I were sitting there just oh. laughing hysterically. Man, I swear to God, this isn't even a lie, right? I was listening to Laird and Black talk about Hype Boys on their podcast. I swear to God, I was listening to Hype Boys. I was listening to my phone. I was playing a game of FIFA. I picked up my phone, paused it because I hate like listening to a podcast while I'm doing something on my phone. So paused it, went over to So Rare, seen the Rodrigo was coming up, hit, yeah, bid, put the phone down, hit play. And the next player they moved on to was Rodrigo. I shit you not. I am not even lying. Um, I think like, look, there's two sides, right? Part of me was like, ETH is dipped. That was like a credit card purchase at auction. Um, ETH is dipped. I'll get a cheap on a cash price. And I was like, it's a relatively premium under 23 super rare. Whatever about his playtime, I don't really want to hear. I'm trying to justify it to myself. Just let me have it. <laughs> and <laughs> you are like, <laughs> and I was like, I can buy this guy and <laughs> I don't know. I full on DGEN. I full on Do you want me to do you want me to defend you here a little bit? <laughs> Please. So I actually think if he gets the role on the right wing for Madrid and like starts, he's really good. I don't think that's in the cards in the near future, but I think he at least like has the potential. And the issue with the hype boys part and what, what black and, and Larry were talking about, right. Is that you don't want to be the person that buys them at the top of the hype. And Rodrigo is definitely at the top of his hype. I player. know. He just did that against Man City and I just bought him. It's super rare on auction. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think like, I don't know what I think. I'm trying to justify it every way I can. When, I'm like a magpie. Um, one day ago, apparently. Did, did you buy, did you play him in the, oh, so you didn't get a chance to play him today if, uh, if he's in the lineup. Not today, no. Um, he but is he, not in the lineup today. He is or isn't? Is not. That's good, because then I can play him at the weekend. Um, I don't. It might not be official lineup, but I believe Asensio is playing today. So if he's not playing today, then that means I could not rest pretty easy, but I could be like, yeah, okay, he'd probably play against Cadiz at the weekend. Maybe. He'd probably he'd come off the bench today and he'd score. That's, that's the problem with him, right, is that he is like – I don't I can't say for certain he will play. Most people, like a lot of a lot of guys, you can sort of get a rotational pattern, be like, I can play him at this point. As soon basically if he yeah. sits a game, you're like, I can play him the next game. I don't know if Rodrigo's in that that realm. But yeah, realistically, I mean you should be able to play him because I can't imagine him uh him not playing back to back. The thing is, I guess, with where Rodrigo is like, all right, what's the worst situation with him? He subs in with 20, 30 minutes to go in the game, right? He's going to play. It's not like he's not going to play. He's not going to yeah. Um, So, like, your worst-case scenario is he subs on. That's not the end of the world. The end of the world is more so um, – oh, no, never mind. He is in the lineup today. I checked uh, I checked their actual Twitter instead of Sofa because I didn't trust Sofa. So, Rodrigo well, is – let's hope today. he bangs 100. If he bangs 100, I hope he sells. <laughs> 
that's definitely possible. I mean, he's got a good stretch going right now. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, that is kind of the problem, and that's another kind of thing and so rare. If a guy is a rotation risk, he's as good as a DMP every week. Arguably worse. You can't trust him. Yeah, at least a DMP you know. Yeah, DMP you know, whereas like a non-DMP, like Rodrigo, Rodrigo's going to tempt you every week you have him, right? Because you every know if he does get a yeah. start, he's going to be really, really good. So you're just going to be yeah. sitting there and you're like, man, this Rodrigo against Cadiz, he's going to play and smash. And then all of a sudden, but the issue is, is like, it's like a 35% chance he starts. So then all yeah. of a sudden you're just way behind the eight ball 65% of the time. Oh man. Oh God. I, I got that other super rare would move on. Like, but I don't know if I said it on the podcast yet. The Mario Rui. Did I say that in the podcast? Or was that before we recorded? I can't uh, remember. I don't remember. I bought him anyway. Play him this weekend. It'll be stack. It'll be fun. Um, okay. Question time. It's been question time 14 times, and I think I've asked one. So how much will the volatility in the current crypto market affect Sora in the short and medium term, says JordanPaul.eth? We kind of touched on this. Anything to add? No, I mean, I think that people need to view it not fully in the in the crypto space. Like, you need to understand that the market's not fully going to mirror the crypto space, you can know that if crypto goes up and ETH price rises significantly, it's going to lower the value of the cards to some extent. And then similarly, if ETH crashes, but doesn't like full on fire sale, we can expect like the ETH price on cards to go up, but maybe the USD version won't really change. Mm. We'll move on to another question. Uh, where's the worst place to be tickled and why is it a random bar in Orlando says Laird man it was a so all right here's a quote let's see if you remember this situation so we talked about um, Black and his drinking at the bar so Laird was dying at your quote do you remember what your quote to Laird was about Black's drinking level on the Friday night we were in Orlando was it that he drinks faster than my dad yeah, it was that you are Irish and you yeah. drink a significant amount and your dad out drinks you and Black was out drinking your dad. I swear to God, for everyone listening, Black a pint man, certified pint man by me. Like, I like to think I can drink. Maybe anyone who's met me, there's a few of you out there. Maybe, like, I, this isn't me sounding like, oh, this is going to sound like an asshole quote. Someone's going to pull this and put it on Twitter out of context. But, like, I was out, like, two Saturdays ago and had over the course, okay, this was over the course of a day, but we had like 18 pints, right? Now, that's a lot of fucking drink, but that's drinking from 12 in the day until four in the morning, right? That's a long day of it. It's not really that much when you think pint per hour. My dad would drink me under the table and he would drink pints of Guinness all day, which is like a meal every time. I don't know how he does it. As in, when we go out for pints, the first one I'll match him and then it's like, he'll have three pints for every two I have. Black was drinking... I swear to God, he has that thing. You know when people like open their their mouth and it it's not even like they have to swallow; it just pours in. Like he didn't gulp; he just poured it in to his belly. And I was there, fine form, you know, first day drinking Friday in Orlando, sun's out, having a ball, and I'm sitting there trying to drink these pints, and he's drinking two two and a half for every one I was drinking. It was frightening, and I caught up with him. It, it did. It was, uh, so yeah. So for those that, that aren't aware, so like, I don't really drink. So like the, 
the meetup that we had, we went out Friday night to the bar and everyone was drinking. I was just hanging out and black was so drunk that he was just tickling people. And Mm. he just started tickling me because he knew I was the sober one and he wanted to get a reaction out of me. He was actually so offended that like, I didn't react to him tickling. They're like, (laughs) no one reacted. But the funny thing is, is there was a reaction. It just wasn't what he noticed or was aware of. So HG was sitting there and you guys were fresh off the plane. So like he was ready to go to bed. Like HD was tired. You guys didn't get much sleep because of the time differential. And at that point it was like 3 a.m. what it would have been in France. So HG was talking to me. He's like, all right, Sean, you want to go in 20 minutes? We'll we'll catch an Uber back to the hotel. Not 20 seconds later, Black's just sitting there tickling me. And HG's just comes over. He's like, all right, time to go. And we walked out the door. He's like, yeah, he was tickling way too many people. It was time to go. So realistically, the reaction he got was just making HG want to leave. And that was sort of the reaction he got. He just didn't know that was the reaction he got um, <laughs> yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was he was a bit of a tickle monster, but it was good fun. Um, and I just, I'm sitting here now cringing over the fact that I'm sitting here acting like a proper pipe man. There's nothing worse than someone trying to talk about how much they can drink, but I want to let you know that as much as I'm saying I can pint, Black drinks more. I'm doing it to hype him up. I could not believe the amount that that guy put in his stomach. Um, I thought everyone he's, he's not even that large. Well that weekend. Yeah. There was a lot of drinking going on that weekend. I thought everyone was pretty not noticeably drunk till I, I wasn't there Saturday night because my plane flight Sunday was terrible. So I can't comment on Saturday night, but I, one of the boy, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name him in case he doesn't want name. One of the boys got cut off from the bar and he wasn't happy about it. He was very, very unhappy about it. Understandably um, so, but yeah, I wasn't there for that are. part. So I can't comment on that. Yeah. Um, the next question here from Daniel, did Nellis wear PE shorts from Lost and Found to the meetup? <laughs> Did I wear? Did I wear? <laughs> did gym I? Shorts? I also. We both wore gym shorts. We both. Wow, well, they're comfortable. That's I got harsh. absolutely roasted over wearing here, them to see Gary V. Here is my take on things, Nellis. You tell me how much you agree with this. If I wanted to wear a suit or dress pants or stuff like that, I would have a job and go wear that stuff. I want to be comfortable. Why do I want to go somewhere and be miserable? I wear gym shorts ninety nine percent of the time to anything I do in life. My wife hates it, by the way. She can't stand it. Mm. But you're literally walking through Orlando, walking miles in Orlando. Like, yeah, of course you're going to wear gym shorts. Yep, you have them on right now. I also have a pair on right now. Go on, show us. Give us the flex. Uh, Okay, we'll stand up. So we've got the same thing going on right now. Oh, baby. Yep. It's just – it's a no-brainer, right? So I don't know people that – that are complaining about you not being a, uh, I, I don't know, properly dressed person. I think you're, you were definitely properly dressed. You're out there living life, being comfortable. That's what it's all about. Hit, hitting baseballs, you know, playing, kicking a ball about. I got roasted over wearing them to see Gary V. The wall, it was a hot day. The last thing you need when you're going to speak to Gary V is a sweaty gooch. You know, you need a bit of variation in there. That's like, I mean, I don't care what people say. The last thing I needed was a bit of chafing. That would have really upset me and made my day really bad. All right, let's find another question. This one is from, oh, Hoosman Houseman. He was excited for hearing the dogs in the podcast. The dogs have made an appearance. 
They've been Which word do you prefer? They, they maybe have made a couple sounds, but overall, I, I've told Laird they're generally more chill in the afternoon. The morning time, there's just a lot going on in my neighborhood that they're usually more active. The afternoon, they're usually a bit more relaxed. Yeah. Um, okay, there's a couple of questions here from Marco Sullivan. Marco always puts in good questions, so we'll give him a good bit of time here. Is it fair that all leagues are scored equally in SO5? I know where he's going with this. Is it fair that all leagues are scored equally in SO5, considering that the quality of the competition can vary greatly from league to league? Yes, or uh, no? Yes, I believe so. I think that the way the game is set up makes a lot of sense to me, and it makes all of the different leagues... I actually have a really strong take on uh, what I've heard before. So people in the past don't believe you should be able to win the best cards, like the Mbappe and the Halans, in global. In my opinion, global is the most difficult contest to win because any card can be played there. Also speaking, you should be able to win the best cards in every region. So like you should be able to run the best cards in, or you should be able to win the best cards in global. Yes, maybe you should be able to win a Holland less frequently than you would in champion or U23, but you should, should still at least have a chance. So mm. I do think that like, the way the game's set up is really beautiful to me. It is it incentivizes people to have cards from Asia. Like so, you've talked about right. You aren't super interested in Asia, so you don't buy any Asian cards. Well, that puts you at a disadvantage because you're not yeah. as willing to do that. I think that's great because it incentivizes people to 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 branch out to to play these other leagues, to play Asia, play Americas, because that's what you want. You want to have people incentivized to play all that stuff. If you all of a mm. sudden remove the ability for me to win Mbappe with Asian cards and American cards. Why am I going to have any of those cards? Because I can't win mm. anything worthwhile with them. Yeah. Um, his his follow-up question is, should this be taken into account when it comes to SO5 scoring? So I think like, I think he's bringing this up about the women's game and about like, you know, he's trying to draw a comparison is what I think is happening here. But should this be taken into account when it comes to SO5 scoring? Like, is there any way they could... I think, it's again, it's too late in the day now. I think this is a nice idea and all that. And maybe it's a terrible idea, but it's an idea that I don't think can be implemented now. But could they have weighted scoring depending on where you've scored your points? Like, if a guy shoots like bonus XP in the Premier League because it's a harder division, one would argue, than the Jupiter League. I think it just gets really complex, right? Like how are it you does, yeah. determine? And then the part of sober is like, I know it's not super simple. The matrix isn't like completely simple, but it is like the idea of the game is simple. If you watch the game, I think you and I talked about it. The nice thing about sober is like, if I'm watching a game and I'm watching a midfielder boss the game around or, and like he, the ball's on his foot all game, he's scoring well, like he's producing in sober. Similar, like if I see a guy score a goal, I know he's producing well. If I see a guy screw up and, and concede a goal, I know he's doing well. So, like, in my opinion, I think that the way the Matrix is set up right now is really done well. Um, and I know people complain about the scoring Matrix, but there's not tons I would sort of tweak within the Matrix. Um, and I definitely wouldn't do, like, buffers for certain leagues versus others. Yeah. So, I think the bottom line there is to answer Mark's question – um, we don't think it should be taken into account and we do think it's fair. He has another question. Um, I don't know how to play this one. <laughs> he basically says, given um, another NFT platform have announced Arsenal, I thought I'd throw out a few questions. Um, I think the big one here and the general talking point around this is an Arsenal license for NFTs that are 
essentially carbon copies of SoRare. They're very, very similar. Okay, they're different. They look a bit different. They're different scarcities, blah, blah, blah. Same thing. I mean, it would be under the same license, it's fair to say. The Arsenal license has been activated and NFTs do exist. Like, it was there was a fun little nibble from SoRare. Did you see it on Twitter? I did. I, I thought that was very favorable from a SoRare perspective. Yeah, and I think it would it 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 gave me confidence about the Premier League. And again, I'm not here on this podcast to try and help hype SoRare up and get everyone excited for the Premier League. But basically, what happened was SoRare on the day that oh, Holland going to City is a thing. Um, yeah. On that day, SoRare came out and said something like, "So, any big transfers happening?" Trying to get a bit of engagement, and Perez wrote under it, "Yeah, um, Arsenal or um, this other NFT company have signed um, Premier League sides to the platform." Or something like that, I paraphrase. And so rare commented underneath that saying side with a little asterisk implying they only have one side. Now, very uncharacteristic for so rare to nibble on something like that, give anything away, hint at anything from their official account. Nicholas says some things sometimes it'll make you a little bit bullish. He said stuff like they're still confident they'll get the top 20 leagues by the end of the year. He said a few more things like that over the last few days. But that little nibble sort of signaled to me the intent and the fact that they're confident they will get Premier League sides. And I also haven't seen it anywhere. I haven't went looking that that was an exclusive license. And Nicholas also tweeted about it, didn't he? Um, I think so. And, and then here's the thing, right? I, I will say I, it's great for ultimate champions. Like it's awesome for them. I don't think it's bad or anything for sober yet. Cause like you said, everything that was being alluded to in tweets and sober is usually really close to the best, right? Like they don't usually say stuff without it generally coming through. So like the way that they were reacting is like, they're going to get the premier league and it's like, yes, it might not have Arsenal, but we're going to get the rest of the premier league. And in that situation, it's just going to make Arsenal look terrible um, because it's going to be on most likely a platform that isn't as successful. And Arsenal fans are going to be like, why is this the case? Um, But yeah, I I came away with that optimistic from Sower's perspective based on the banter that was going on back and forth. I made fun of peers. Actually, I told them that, uh, then Nick sort of like body bagged him and put him into the ground in the SoRare Discord or the SoRare <laughs> Twitter, like just absolutely destroyed him with their response. And Nicholas tweeted this. I'll, I'll read it. We've seen players in the fantasy space announcing partnership deals lately. Some SoRare community members asked my take, not valid for obvious scams. Um, so that's just his take on companies that aren't obvious scams. I have lots of respect for all entrepreneurs trying to push the boundaries of Web3 and sports. We know how difficult it is. We've seen several cycles over the past four years, many deals being done and undone, and remain focused on building decade-long partnerships with all the top leagues and clubs in the world. We'll get there and are more confident than ever. Much more coming soon. Fire emoji. Yeah. Big man is alluding to the Premier League again, pretty heavy, hyping and hyping. So, yeah, I mean, I'm as confident as I've ever been that it'll come. I think saying stuff like this, if it doesn't come, is irresponsible, yeah, I tend to, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I came away. I'm super I, – I think they're going to get the Premier League based on the comments. Actually, that is the most sort of um, – that's like the most bullish I've been in terms of them getting the Premier League. Is yeah, me too. 
like it, I haven't felt as strong as I did after reading those tweets for a while. To get that petty, I was like, okay, you gotta have something to get that petty. Exactly. You don't. <laughs> you don't say that unless you got something. Up to <laughs> yeah. right no. No, you do not say that unless you have it locked and loaded, and you're like getting pissed off because other people are getting all the hype for something that you have as well. Or so I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It could be a very very fun year where lots and lots of sports. The Premier League will be huge. Um, I'll ask you this. I've heard sort of people talk with this. I forget where. Probably the podcast you were on, maybe. Basically, around how, how big an effect do you think the Premier League has on the ecosystem in terms of like an influx of people? Do you think there's this influx of people think, well, do you think there'll be an influx of people are all hoping? I don't think it just booms and changes the game overnight. Necessarily, I don't think it changes the things necessarily from outsiders. I don't think there'd be too many. I'm sure there's some, but I don't think there's like, oh my God, it's going to change the market because there's all these people sitting on the sidelines to get involved, but they're waiting for the Premier League. I think where you might see more is from people who are already in the game, doubling down and and believing longer term and wanting to be more exposed and depositing and paying more. I think it'd be more so money from within the game than money from outside the game at the minute, but I think overall the exposure it'll bring could be huge. And whatever deals, leverage, marketing, that they get with a deal like that could be insane. Yeah, I definitely think that – I think that's a great take. I think that inside the game is going to buzz huge when they get to the Premier League and stuff's going to take off from within inside the game. But I do think the outside sort of aspects are going to make that worthwhile. Like I think mm-hmm. we're going to see stuff come in from outside that's not already – onboarded and they're going to be interested because there's so many people i mean you you're over there you're over in that area is it something where like would do you hear about sower outside of your little sower bubble because i don't hear about it here no one in my real life knows or cares about so rare but lots of people in my real life know about fpl and i wonder like if there's any way fpl is incorporated in this licensing deal in any way, shape, or form in terms of how cards are displayed or some sort of link or some sort of advertisement or some sort of like the paid version. I don't know. I think like the other thing is FPL players are notoriously stingy and purists. The people who love it the most are proper FPL purists and they might sniff at stuff like this. Maybe not though. I mean, there's, there's some, I've known some FPL people that are involved in DFS that are also involved in, um that's actually how i got so how i really got into soccer was one of my good friends back in the day played fpl and we would bet every season and i'm talking like i i remember the one year i finished like top 500 in the world and he just smacked me he just absolutely smacked me he still just obliterated me and i'm sitting there i'm like what how i'm literally top like 0.5 percent in the world or higher and you just absolutely obliterated me and he just was that into it. But then anyways, he ended up getting into DFS as well. And I knew some other people that played FPL that are into DFS that I it, look, right. It's going to be a thing where you do get some people from FPL. You're going to not get some people from FPL. Mm. Um, so I think it will work both ways in that perspective. I, um, it's weird. FPL. I actually lost interest probably about two months ago. I haven't touched my team since. And it's like the first time in, I think 10 or 15 years that's happened. And that is that is purely because of so rare. Do you know? It's crazy. I can't play FPL. It just it became too. 
I don't know. I just wasn't into it. DFS was always way this sort of, so I played FPL, then it moved into daily fantasy, which I thought was a way better version of what FPL tried to be. And then mm-hmm. now I play so rare more so than DFS soccer, because I think so rare is a much better version of what daily fantasy was. Yeah. We we'll do one last question. Um, let me see. There's a few here to be fair. Thanks to everyone who, who, Oh, this is a, this is a nice one. Alex Charles, I believe he got married recently. Met him in Manchester. Congratulations, Alex. Maybe you didn't get married. Maybe it was a honeymoon. Maybe it was engagement. But I've seen you do something um, with a lady. So congratulations on that. There's not many people in the so rare world who can say they've done anything with a lady. <laughs> um, so do you have a system for taking out profits or are you continually compounding currently? Is that a thing? People take out money on server? I know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, I mean, so honestly, honest answer to that question is I have been compounding the entirety of the time I've been on. So I think over the, I've been on for about a year and three months. Uh, and I think I'm at like 100 and 100 or 100 to 120 ETH worth of rewards that I've won um, on what I put in. And I've just put it all like I've not pulled anything off. and I've just keep expanding mm. my gallery. I have sort of like in my own brain came up with an idea of how I'm going to withdraw over the next like, let's say, three to five years. Now, let's say that things change that all the time. Right. Like I could be a situation where I'm like, I'm going to sell off. I don't need to be on the platform anymore. Um, it could be a situation where I'm like, I don't want to withdraw anything because the platform is still going up to me. And anytime you withdraw and take money off the platform, it hurts your SO5 game every time. Yeah. So it's one of those things like, do you want to cost yourself ROI from a, or do you want to cost yourself a return to withdraw? But at some point, and I, I've been talking to to some people, at some point you can't just continuously not withdraw and not take money off the platform. Um, so I've come up with an idea of how I'm going to do it over the next uh, three to five years, but I'm not starting that until like August or September. And that's what my plan is. My, my hope is that things sort of take off a little bit in August, September. And over the, the next three months, I plan to do well in the summer. My gallery is built usually pretty well to do well in the summer. I think last year I won like 45 ETH worth in the summer because my teams are really strong uh, in American Asia. So summer is usually really good when other stuff is down. And then I plan to build up my bankroll um, and my my ETH balance so that I can fulfill my gaps that I'm going to need to fulfill at the start of the European season. And then I'm hopeful that there is a sort of boom at the start of the European season that I can sell off some scraps. And then what I'm going to start to try to do is like if I win 10 ETH in a month in rewards, which that's probably a bit higher than I realistically do. But like if I win like 10 ETH in rewards, I'll take off five and reinvest five, something to yeah. that. But realistically, I don't care. I'm just sort of going to do it as I go and see what I feel like makes sense at the time. Yeah, I, th- I think from my perspective, it's something I've thought about recently where like I, my gallery's nowhere near yours, but like it's still, what, what's your gallery? 350? 350. But, but like, so here's the thing, right? People think, uh, we, we talk to people all the time, like Larry and I, especially people that want to do gallery reviews. So people are like, well, I have no options at like five ETH gallery. I struggle some weeks with filling out my lineups, even at a 350 mm. gallery, uh, 350 gallery valuation. Like I legitimately have situations where I am playing someone that is really, really not great in a lineup 
because that's just what I have. So it's a thing where even with bigger galleries, you end up having situations where you just do not have the people to put in. Mm. So I think for me, like the my my perspective on it is it's something I thought about literally the other day. It's about like you can't just keep growing and compounding and put money in forever. There has to come a point. But I think I'd like to get to if I do my kind of monthly how much I made last month on Surare. I'd like to get to a point where. I'm happy with the size of the gallery. I'm comfortable, confident with who's there. And then I can maybe like sell off X amount of rewards a month or win X amount of ETH a month where I'm yielding enough that it makes me comfortable, um, comfortable enough to maybe double down on content and, and try mm-hmm. and put, do more of that in my life That'd and just nice. have the back burner of like, oh, this is this is a nice little security. Um, just, I mean, just talking so little, you might not have seen this. Well, I'll ask you this question. Uh, so last weekend, so I not I'm not gonna count limiteds in here. So we're talking rare, rare pro, super rare, unique division last week. So I played division one through four in America, Asia, global, and then I played two through four in Champ and Challenger in U23. So I had let's say 20 lineups, give or take. In those 20 lineups, how many goalies did I lose last weekend? How many goalies? Like how many goalkeepers got injured? Yeah, did not finish the game. Or one did not start, but I'm counting him because he came out well after lock and it was an injury. Four. Seven. Fuck off. I lost seven goalies last week that did not finish the game or did not start due to an injury. That wow. Like no-brainer. The one of them was one in. Uh, De Kaiser. The Kaiser, the Kaiser, who you have, Van Crombruge, who did not start. Um, I lost the Cerezo Azako goalie. He got hurt. The FC Seoul goalie, he went off with a minute left, but apparently it's just because the coach thought it was a good time to get the other guy a minute of action, apparently. I don't, whether or not that's true or not, I have no idea. Um, uh, Bill Hamid went off injured, and then I lost two more that I can't think of at this exact minute that went off injured. So I lost seven goalies last week, three of which were super rares, one of which was a U23 super rare. So I just dumped seven goalies last week. So if I don't, for me to run out how many lineups I need to run, like I have to have 30, 40 playing goalies at a time to like bare minimum get through stuff. Yeah. I hear you. Like, I think what I lost in terms of goalkeepers wasn't quite that bad, but I thought I had it bad. I obviously lost. Um, I have a rare and a super rare to Kaiser, and then Vandervoort got injured. But I have Toby Lason, Vandervoort's backup, and I've heard that Vandervoort be back this weekend. That's just rumor Ill. I have. I, I also have both. That's what I've heard. I'm gonna try to not play either if I can. Oh. But I. Oh yeah. So that was another one. Uh, Thomas Hazal for Vancouver broke his finger. Um, he was another one that went off injured last week. But yeah, so Vandevoort, like I think Vandevoort's supposed to be back, but I'm going to try to not play either if I can because I'm. it's not 100%. Yeah, it's one of those. Ooh. Okay, I have an under-23 rare lineup that's highly speculative anyway. Are you telling me I should just chuck Toby Lason in because he's a super rare as opposed to Vandevoort's rare? I no, I'd probably play Vandevoort's rare because it seems more likely Vandevoort yeah, plays. But like, so a good example, like this weekend, I don't think Diego Costa plays. Mm. because um, Porto's in the final of the Portuguese Cup, and I think that they don't play uh, Diago Costa and they let Marcheson play. So all of a sudden, like, that's a goalie that, like, they're, like, a three-goal favorite. He's probably the best U23 goalie from that perspective. But, like, I'm going to try to not play him because 
I think he does not play, which obviously if he does not play, you can't have him in your lineup. Oh, and this podcast, like why loads of people won't have heard it. So that's sick them for anyone listening, but it's great because it's going to take out a lot of under 23 teams. Yep. And we'll have to see, like I could be wrong, right? He could play, but like yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. play. And the key is too, here's the key. He's going to be in priority U23 lineups. And if you have Diogo Costa, he's a what? Two, two and a half ETH card. Generally speaking, you're a bigger gallery with really, really strong cards. So if he misses the game, you take out a lot of really, really strong cards with it. Yeah. Because... That, like if he was playing and there was no questions, I would play Diogo Costa in like my rare pro lineup with like Jurian Timber, Jesper Carlson. That's another one. Like Jesper Carlson. Like I'm pretty confident he won't play this weekend. Well, that's mm. a guy that everyone plays. So I think U23 this weekend is going to be a bloodbath where a lot of people yeah. are going to EMP and take I, out some strong lineups. I've had to pick like I've picked my guys who I think are most likely to play more than necessarily my best, but thankfully some of them are decent. So of Raphael Leai and Dejan Kulisevsky super rares, both in teams that have something to play for, both yep. guys who are in good form. Mm-hmm. Then I had Koku in Kokju because he hasn't played he didn't play last night, ninety minutes. Yeah. He didn't play the second half of the weekend. I was like, he's gonna play at the weekend. That that's 135 minutes of football. But he might but not know. Uh... Exactly. So I've played Odegaard instead, who has yep. something to play for. Yep. And then Dude. at defense, instead of going like um actually there was no really better option, Hakimi maybe or someone, but I've went for like Bubakar Kamara. That's no, against I, I Ren, think though. Anyone that has something to play for, that's the move. Yeah. Because like, and even like Bayender, I have to play him. I think he's a good choice for a keeper this week. But like, there's a few others there. It's so basically, I'm kind of gibbering on here and we'll wrap things up with the 137 game. But I think like at the minute, it's very hard because you really have to prioritize guys who will play more than your better players. And it's really hard to bench your best players um, and not utilize all that ETH. But Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've talked about a lot. But the 137 game is spiced up. Woo, everyone. Don't get so excited. Don't don't go crazy, everyone. So how we're going to do this, just to make it a little bit more exciting. I am staking a little bit every single week. So how it's going to work is now you can pick any, as many players as you want. So you can pick two players. You, you're not going to hit 137 with one because no bonuses are included. So two players, you can pick 10 players. I don't care. Um, I think you didn't know this before we hit records. So you probably have two. 137 points is still the target because this is powered by 137 p.m. There's no legends allowed, just to make that clear. But here's how it's going to work. Every single week, I have 50 euros on the line. For every point you are away from 137, charity loses a euro. At the end of each month, I'll donate to a charity of my choice. Um, So basically, if you had 137, charity gets 50 quid. If you had 127, they get 40 quid and so on and so on. So, Sean, you're the first man to bat for charity. Who is it going to be? So I think I have to go with, since I'm the biggest Car- Carlos Gill fan, I'm going to have to say him. And then I'm going to pair him with Adam Buxa because Buxa typically doesn't have the best all-around game and he will rely on what Gill does. But realistically, if he scores and Gill does not get a decisive with him, I think they have a really good shot at getting like right around that 137 mix. Um, and also, like if he doesn't score, Gill has the potential to just rip um, an 80, 90 point game and make up for it. So I think that's where I'll go with here. 
I love it. So, look, best of luck to Charity, best of luck to you. Plastician actually hit, I think, 101 points. I'll not get into it. I had a look. Um, so he would have won some money for Charity, but unfortunately that wasn't what was going on then. Um, but, Sean, is there anything you want to plug before you go? You're obviously on the So Rare, Andrews, of the So Rare Data Strategy Show that comes out on Fridays. Yeah, we're, uh, we typically record on Fridays. Uh, but, yeah, I do that every week with Laird. I'm on the Twitter at PSU Fans 2 Discord, I'm on there. If you uh, want to buy any of my cards, feel free to actually give me a good offer. Um, I'm generally pretty easy to work with when it comes to yeah. selling. I, I hate trading. I hate how trading works on the platform. I just don't. It's just not set up to work with this platform, I don't think. Mm, yeah, it's a little bit cumbersome. But um, all right, look, it's been a pleasure and I'll chat to you soon. Thanks a million. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode great fun as always and there'll be another episode next friday please leave a review wherever you're listening particularly on spotify or apple it's very very easy and quick and subscribe to the podcast we'll chat to you next week thanks again bye-bye